Welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we hope will inspire, encourage, and challenge you to grow closer to God. So sit back, prepare your heart, and see where God can take you. Travis, uh, my wife and I, uh, Brittany, we planted Motivation Church. Uh, I'm originally from Miami, Florida, and uh, born and raised in Miami, Florida. And then a few years ago, my wife and I uh, had a, a dream in our hearts to start a life-giving church in the city of Richmond, Virginia. It's about an hour and a half south of D- uh, Washington, D.C., and we've been loving what God is doing up there and loving uh, the passion uh, that we're seeing in God's people. And our church is very similar to this church, is that our church is really uh, diverse um, our church is filled with many different type of ethnicities, uh, different cultures. Uh, we got white, we got black, we got Latino. And so every Sunday, it is a, come on, like a big pot of gumbo. Come on, somebody. I mean, it, it just, it's just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And so over the last two years where our, our nation has been through such uh, turmoil and division, it's been really cool to see that our church uh, acting like the kingdom of God. Because if we're not careful, we can start acting like the kingdom of America and start the kingdom of God. And I, I just want to real quick to tell you today and to share with you a scripture that the Lord put on my heart today. And to bring us back to the kingdom of God, because I think sometimes we can get so inundated about what we see on news outlets and social media outlets that we forget that our main objective as followers of Jesus Christ is not to build our man kingdom, but God's called us to build God's kingdom. Amen, somebody? Our our greatest representation. Uh, so we do what we do. We, we love, we have diversity because not for diversity's sake. We love people across political aisles, not just for the sake of loving people, but we do that because that's part of our kingdom agenda that God has put on us as an assignment as God's people to build the kingdom of God. Amen, somebody? And so what I want to do is I want to read to you a scripture, uh, a story today found in the the, the book of Acts. Acts is a a book that really was connected to the gospel of Luke. And so sometimes when we read the book of Acts, it's out of the context of what the writer was trying to convince and share about this Jesus. And Jesus came into the world and he lived his life. He, He went to the cross and went to the grave and he resurrected on a third day. And so whenever Jesus left, he said, you know what? I'm going to give you a gift because God gave us a gift in Jesus Christ, and Jesus says, I want to be like God and give y'all a gift in the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came, and a, a new wave of the world entered, and it was the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And in that, this random story pops up in Acts chapter 9 that I want to share that I really believe that's going to get some great principles about how we can build this kingdom of unity together. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse number 10. It says this, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called him in a vision and says, Ananias! He says, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying to me right now. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority of the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, 
For this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to the kings and to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake. So then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road um, as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he can see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Father, I pray that you may allow me to fulfill the assignment that you placed on me today, Lord. I pray that they don't hear from me. I pray that we hear from you tonight. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. So here in this text, what we have is uh, this guy named Saul. We all know Saul, but really many of us know Paul. Come on, somebody. We love the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, if you're not familiar with the scriptures, uh, he wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. He's given us all type of uh, theology when it comes to salvation. He's given us pastoral theology. He's given us practical lessons on how to apply the gospel to our everyday life. Paul is a man of God. In fact, if I believe this. When we get to heaven, man, there's going to be a VIP section, and it's going to be half of it's going to be reserved to the Apostle Paul. He is a man of God. He's a church planter. He's responsible for bringing the gospel into the Gentile world so that people like you and I, non-Jews, can hear this great gospel. The apostle Paul is a man of God, but before he was Paul, his name was Saul. And Saul was someone who was an enemy of the church. Uh, He didn't like God's people. In fact, you look at previous chapters of the book of Acts, he consented of the death of Deacon Stephen. And uh, this guy, he fined everyone who called on Jesus' name, and he tried to, to, to kill them. And he was on the other aisle of the political side of God's people. He did not believe what we believe. He did not look like how we look. And he was an enemy of the church, and so it appears. And the Bible says this, while Saul was going to another city to find more Christians, and while he was chasing after God's people, Saul didn't know that God was chasing after him. And what we see in this text here in, in Acts chapter 9 is, is about this guy, this, this, this guy named Saul who was going after with such anger and with such bitterness in his heart to find more people who called on Jesus' name. But he didn't know that Jesus was one day going to catch up to him. And the Bible says this, that God caught up to him one day. And he stopped him and said, Saul, don't you know that when you're hurting me, it's like you're, you're, you're hurting my church. I just want to stop and pause real quick. I am so grateful that we serve a chasing God. Come on, somebody. I am so grateful that our God is always chasing us. And that's really the gospel of Jesus here today. The gospel is this. It's not that we first love him. It's that he first loved us. And his love was so, was so rich to us that he chased us down with his love. The Bible says he, that God stopped Saul on the road, and, and he has this conversation with Saul. And Saul's like, man, I thought I was doing God's work. And God was like, no, you're like doing the, the opposite of God's work. And, and, and the Bible says that something like scales falls over Saul's eyes. And for the first time physically, Paul is experiencing what he's always been spiritually. He's always been blind, blinded by religion. Blinded by culture, blinded by people who didn't look like him and think like him. And yet, and so Paul, 
The Bible says that he has to feel his way to Damascus because that's what blind people do. They're not led by faith or the scriptures. They're led by their feelings and what they feel. And so literally the Bible says this, that uh, this guy named Saul goes to this house and he's blind and he's all alone. And in comes the real hero of the story that I want to hang out and talk to you about tonight. I call this person a hidden hero. In fact, if there was a, a title of today's sermon, tonight's sermon simply would be Hidden Hero. This guy, uh, the, the Lord says in this scripture that, that there was a certain disciple in, in, in Damascus. His name was Ananias. Now, you know, when it comes to like knowing about scripture and knowing uh, figures in the scripture, normally what the Bible does is that the Bible gives us a background story or maybe a background context of who the, who the biblical figure was. Normally, whenever we see a, a Bible person inside the scriptures, normally we know their lineage, we know their parents, we know who they came from, we know what race they are, we know what age they are, or what stage they are. But here in this text, uh, the writer of the book of Acts gives us no details about this guy named Ananias. We don't know if he's young or if he's old. We don't know if he's a college student or an empty nester. We don't know if he's a Jew or a Gentile. We don't know if he is, is a black or is he white. We don't know if he's Republican or is he a Democrat. We don't know if he's blind or is he crip. Come on, somebody. We don't know. We know nothing about this man, and it's really interesting in the text because whenever, whenever biblical historians argue about the validity of who Ananias was, some argue that he was a Gentile, one of the few that knew about this gospel. And this is why God called him because so that Paul can see another Gentile really believing in this gospel because one day God will call Paul eventually to the Gentiles. And some biblical historians argue that this guy was a, was a devout Jew who really loved God and followed God. And many historians argue on what side of the aisle this guy was, but I really believe, and I have a sneaky suspicion, that God gives us no detail about who this guy is and how old he is and what race he is and what political divide they, side he's on. Here's why. Because God don't want you and I to disqualify ourselves from being an Ananias tonight. I believe here in this text what we see is that God's going to show us today and tonight that there is a God who can call random people like you and I to be a hidden hero to a world outside of this building that is blind and they have no church family. So here in the text, I want to read to you. Here, here, I want to just kind of dive into the text. The Bible says in verse 10, in Damascus there was a certain disciple named Ananias and the Lord called him in a vision. Ananias! And look at his response in the text. It says this. Yes, Lord. I mean, like, if I was Ananias, I would be asking God, hey, you call my name, but before I say yes, I want to know what you want me to say. I want to know where you want me to go. I really want to know who you're calling me to. But Ananias' yes was not a yes with a question mark at the end of it. In fact, the Greek term of it was a yes with an exclamation mark after it. It was, yes, Lord, no matter where you called me to go, I'll go. No matter who you called me to, I'll go to. No matter where you tell me to go, I'll go. And here in this text, what we see in Ananias is that he simply just said, yes, Lord. And I don't know about you. But I just come tonight to just kind of share with you tonight that there is a God who is calling you to people that's not like you. And all God is asking for is a simple yes. 
A simple yes. And notice, he didn't, he didn't say, you know, uh, you know, I mean, just like, God, why are you calling me? He, he, look what he says in verse 11. The Lord told him, go to his house on Straight Street. Go for this man named Tarsus, named Saul. He's praying. Verse 12. And, the, and Ananias says back to God, like what I will probably say to God. You know, like, God, I heard many things about this dude. Like, this guy killed people like me. So you want me, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, to go pray for someone who kills followers of Jesus. And God's like, yep, I want to do that, right? You know, you know, I don't know about you, but I'll be asking God all type of questions. Like, okay, God, you say he has skill over his eyes. So, like, is he, like, blind, blind? So he can't see a thing. So I can go pray for him real quick, lay hands on him, then run up out of that house. Come on, somebody. You know, if I, if I was at a nice, I'd be asking him all type of questions. Like, why? What in the world? Notice, though. That, that, that the scriptures gives no qualification to Ananias for him being the one to lead one of the greatest men of God to Christ. Notice there's no prerequisites to Ananias for leading one of the people that was opposite of his values. Notice that, that God gives us no background of this guy Ananias. And I'm just, I'm just praying that God can raise up some Ananiases to tonight. That there would be some people that say, you know what, God, I choose to say yes to you, to go to people who don't think like me, to go to people who don't act like me. Because at the end of the day, my call is not to go and be in a comfortable situation. My call is to build the kingdom of God and to advance his purpose. You know, I mean, I think about just, I, I grew up in Miami, Florida. I'm a... Um, I'm a track guy. I ran track in Miami. Um, and, you know, track was one of my favorite sports. And uh, I ran it all throughout uh, middle school and high school. I ran AAU track. And I remember get, I was running for our high school track team. I was a freshman inside uh, our, our, on a track team. I was on a JV team. And when the JV season was over, our JV coach says, hey, I want you guys to go to the varsity track meets, not so that you can run, just so that you can learn, so that maybe in a year or two, you can learn about how it is to run in a big varsity meet. And so I never forget, it was the regional championship. I mean, it was South Miami, Florida, Tropical Park on a Friday night. The stands were packed with people. It was an amazing experience. And me and the other freshmen were hanging out in the back of the bus like, man, this is going to be amazing to watch. Like, we got these seniors that's on our team that's going to colleges. They're like horses. We're like ponies. And it's like, I mean, come on. So no lie, when we're about to get off the bus, the athletic, athletic director comes to our coach and says to our coach, hey, your senior hurdler, which I was a hurdler as well, hey, he can't run this race because he didn't meet the 2.5 GPA requirement in the previous nine weeks. So it, wouldn't, it was no big deal for me because there was a junior hurdler and a sophomore hurdler. Now, I, I kid you not, as we are warming up, both the junior and the sophomore hurts themselves while we're warming up. So the coach looks at me and says, Jones, get in the blocks. I said, coach, no. <laughs> I'm like, coach, I'm not ready for this. Like, I mean, coach, I mean, I'm a freshman. Like, I'm a pony. There are horses. I mean, like, coach, no, I am not going to do this. And coach says, Jones, you better get your butt in those blocks before I punch you in your face. I said, all right, coach. 
And so if you don't know what the blocks is, the blocks are like the instrument that you use to get leverage to your feet. So I get into the blocks. I'm yelling at my coach like, Coach, you made a mistake. We're going to lose this regional championship. The, the stands are packed with people. And to be honest with you, I'm telling coach, like, I'm not ready for this. I didn't even put lotion on my knees that morning. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and for all my white brothers and sisters, my, that means my knees were white, y'all. Come on, somebody. <laughs> So anyways, I take off my jumpsuit, said, Coach, you're going to make a mistake. So I get into the blocks, as God, God says, on your mark, good set. And everyone fall started because it was such an intense race. I mean, I'm running against guys who eventually been in the Olympics. I mean, these guys had scholarships to the University of Miami. They had U, uh, UCF and USF and FSU. And so they had all these big scholarships. And it's just me, old little freshman in the blocks. So they're all nervous. and They all fall started. So the guy says, get in the blocks. Again, on your mark, good set. And everyone, again, fall starts. And so in the state of Florida, if you fall start twice, you disqualify for the race. So guess who won the race that night, y'all? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, and the, and the guy was like, hey, you guys are all disqualified. Son, you still got to run the race. So I'm running the race by myself, like running these hurdles. Anyways, I share that story with you because here's what I believe. I believe that many of us, what we do is that we look at who's next to us, we look at our disqualifications, and what we do is that we disqualify our own selves from getting in the blocks. And, and, and Ananias didn't say, God, am I good enough? Am I spiritual enough? Do I know enough? Am I woke enough? But what he just said was yes to God, and God would tell us today, all he's wanting from us is a simple yes. I mean, look at the scriptures, because really, if it was me and I was God in the story, I would have chose somebody different than Ananias. I probably would have chose Peter. Come on, somebody. Because anybody going to fight somebody, it's going to be Peter, y'all. Come on. Peter from the hood, y'all. Come on, somebody. I mean, walk around with a shank. Or I would have called Apollos. Apollos was one of the greater orators of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Or I would have called John, who was the one who was close to Jesus and who lived with Jesus. Or I would have called James, the brother of Jesus, who at that time had one of the biggest churches in Jerusalem and building the kingdom of God. But yet, no, God didn't call Peter. He didn't call James. He didn't call John. He called this random, unknown, untrained guy named Ananias to lead one of the greatest men of God to faith, and I believe this. What if God is asking you and I to simply say, yes, God, I'll, I'll go. I'll be instrument. I'll go to a people that don't look like me. I'll go to a people that don't think like me. Yes, Lord. I don't know all the rhetoric. I don't know the language. I'm simply just going to say yes, and I believe this. When you say yes, God takes care of the rest. I really believe it tonight. <clears throat> All right, the thing says I got uh, nine minutes and 39 seconds, and uh, that was my intro. Let's get to the sermon. <laughs> All right, so here, here, here I want to keep reading the text because really, it gets even better and better and better and better. So here's what it says. This, the Bible says this, the Lord, you know, I mean, he's just, uh, he, 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 he has this conversation with God. God, you sure want me to go? And God says, yeah, I want you to go to this guy named Saul. And there's three things that Ananias did that I believe that if we're going to be a hidden hero and if God's going to use us to build a kingdom of God and reach people that don't look like us, think like us, act like us, talk like us, there are three things that we need to do. Number one, to Ananias, he followed the voice of God. He followed. 
Here, look at the text. The Bible says this, that the Lord told him to go to this house, go here. I want you to go on Straight Street, not Cricket Street, but Straight Street. Go figure. <laughs> he says, I, I want you to go to Straight Street, go to this house, knock on the door, ask for a guy named Saul, because he's praying to me right now. And I really believe this. Some of us, what we need to do in this next season is turn off the voices of the media and outlets and hear the voice of God. He followed the voice of God. And what happens if we're not careful is that we would be a people that we would start to listen to the voices of our political agendas, of our passions, and not the voice of God. And what I've seen in the church over the global capital C church, especially in America over the last few years, is both sides. Black churches, white churches, black Christians, white Christians, Latino, and we're listening to the voices of the culture more than the voices of God. I believe this, that Ananias was able to see such a revival happening in his life and to see Saul become Paul, all because, number one, he followed the voice of God. Secondly, what he did is he what I love is called, he fellowshiped. Look what he says in this text. This is, this is kind of, it blew my mind when I first read it. When Pastor Jeff called me, I was like, I began to scramble, God, what can I say? What should I say? And Lord put this scripture on my heart. And I was just reading it and reading it and reading it. I was preaching to myself. I was preaching to myself. And then I ended up preaching to my, my, my oldest daughter, Jalen. She just turned 12 yesterday. I was preaching a sermon to her. And I was reading the scripture and, and verse 17, the Ananias went into the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. And he said, Brother Saul, and the Lord Jesus who appeared to you, and, and, my, wife, my, and my, my daughter said, stop, 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 stop. I said, what? I got to finish this sermon so I can practice. She says, was Saul his brother? And I began to ask myself, biologically, Saul wasn't a brother. Theologically, Saul wasn't a brother. Even racially, Saul wasn't a brother. <laughs> Only a few people got that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so I began to ask myself, so why does, does Ananias call him a brother? When theologically, biologically, or racially, or even practically, that Saul was not his brother. And what I believe is that Ananias saw something in Saul that Saul didn't even see in himself. Ananias begins to look at the world in a prophetic vision that we don't look at the world the way that Fox News or CNN tells us to look at the world. We look at the world in the lens of a redeemed power of Jesus Christ who can, who can redeem anybody and save anybody. Notice he says, Brother Saul. And he's not a brother because honestly, if it was me and I was Ananias, I would have said, you murderer. You enemy of the church. Y'all laughing, but that's what we say in today's world. And what we do is that what we, we, we call people for where they are and not where they're going. And so what, 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 what Ananias did in this text was he's given us a prophetic principle on how we view people who's not like us. We don't view them in the lens of our enemy. 
we view them in the lens of how God could potentially use us to, to draw a bridge so that they can be brought into this kingdom that you and I are called to build. We are called to call people brothers and sisters in Christ even when they're not there because God wants us to prophetically call them in. I remember, so I grew up in Miami, and our, my high school I went to is a, a school called Miami Southridge Senior High School. It was predominantly black and Cuban. And our school was, no, it was actually when I was there, it was featured on CNN as being one of the most dangerous schools. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it was, it was shootings there, but that was not what ever reported. It was, it was crazy stuff happening in our school, fights and drug deals, I mean, it, and gambling. It was a really toxic culture. And, uh, and every Friday night, there would be this white gentleman that would come, older gentleman from the local Assembly God Church that was about two miles down the road. And he would come every Friday after school passing out gospel tracts. Y'all remember gospel tracts, y'all? Come on, let's bring back gospel tracts, y'all. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's just use social media. Come on. <laughs> <clears throat> so, but anyways, he was passing out gospel tracts. And, and, and I never get one track uh, he had was, was like a, it was like a ticket. And I thought that he was handing out free prom tickets. You know, it says, this is your ticket. And so I'm saying to the guys, hey, man, this white dude over here, man, he passing out free prom tickets. Y'all better go get some of these free prom tickets. And so I turned it around, and it was like, your ticket to heaven. I'm like, oh, come on, man, you know. <laughs> uh, I'll I tell you that story is because uh, that white gentleman ended up uh, leading me to Christ one day, and uh, he would come to our school every and I wasn't the guy that you would want to approach at that time. I didn't look like what I look like now. I didn't talk like how I talk like now. At that time, I was a wannabe thug. I had long dregs. I had gold teeth on the top and the bottom. I had, I had all type of uh, uh, tatted up. And it was, it was just, I, I didn't have the appearance of someone who wanted to be in church. And i never forget, um, you know, uh, he would pass out gospel tracts and he would tell us to come to the youth group on Friday nights. We'll get free pizza. I'm like, all right, free pizza. Let's go. And it wasn't Little Caesars. It was Papa John's. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> Nowadays, youth group, they cheat now. They be cheating y'all youth now. Come on, somebody. Give me all those nasty cardboard tasting hot and ready. Come on. Give me some Papa John's with the salt, y'all. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so anyways, I was, uh, I was uh, we, one night, my friends and I, we were, in Miami, Florida, doing what we should not have been doing as ninth graders, and we had the munchies. Come on, you can read between those lines, y'all. We were, we were in the heavenlies of heavenly. We were, we, were as, we were as high as high can be, y'all. Come on. And we had the munchies, and then we, uh, one of my friends said, hey, what about that white dude who told us he passed out gospel tracts, and we can go get free pizza at the youth crew? <laughs> so me and my homeboy, you walked into that youth crew smelling just like ganja. I mean... And this was like a suburban, middle-class, Assemblies of God church, youth group. They're saying, Lord, I lift your name on high. I'm like, I'm high, all right, come on. <laughs> I love to sing your praises. <laughs> so anyways, I, I never forget that night. I never forget that night. And I love it because that white gentleman came. He was a youth leader at that church. And he came to me, he looked in my eyes, beyond the dregs, beyond the goatee, beyond the smell. And he says, young man, God has a plan for your life. Two months later, I give my life to Christ, turn my life around. <laughs> and, and honestly, what I, what I really believe is that 
he was my Ananias. Because he called me a brother and he saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And I don't know who's the Saul's in this city. I don't know the Saul's you pass by and drive by every single day that don't look like you, talk like you, believe like you. But I just I have a, a sneaky suspicion that we pass by potential every day. And if I was the enemy, and I, if I was Satan, and I would see stuff like this in Acts 9, I'd make sure I do anything to distract you from repeating what happened in Acts 9. I keep you so, I get you so devoted to your, your base, your culture. I'll get you so believing in the identity in your culture more than the identity of your, the kingdom of God. I'll get you so lost up in that stuff that you get so blinded of the calling that God really has over your life to be an Ananias in somebody's life. Thirdly, what he did was he facilitated. He, he followed the voice of God. He fellowshiped. He spent time with him and called him a brother. But thirdly, what he did in that text was he facilitated. He facilitated a move of God. The Bible says this, that he laid hands on him and something like scales fell from his eyes and he can see again. And I don't know about you tonight that I want God to use me in such a way that I can, be the I can facilitate a move of God in somebody's life. I don't know about you, but I want God to use me so that I can, I can be the bridge of cultures. I can be the bridge. I don't know about you, but I know that God wants to use this church to reach out to people on both aisles, to reach out to people who are, who are young and old and rich and poor and black, white, Latino, Asian. I believe that God's calling this house and this church to be a house of all nations, to be a place that reaches all people. And he will use his house to facilitate a move of God today. I really believe it. And so, uh, you know, whenever I want to, uh, you know, kind of study a little bit more of the scriptures or I, I kind of want more of a, a, a detailed maybe interpretation or even revelation that God wants to speak in the scripture, sometimes I just look up the meaning of names. And I look at the meaning of Saul, and the, and the definition of Saul is, it simply means to be asked of God, like God is asking something of them, or more importantly, God is calling them. And then I look at the word Ananias. It stems from the Hebrew word, the Hebrew name, Hinnaeus. And that simply means to be the Lord has dealt graciously with. The Lord has dealt graciously with. What we see in this scripture is not only a story, but a principle. That whenever God is calling and asking of a soul or somebody or a calling or something over somebody's life, he always connects them with somebody who his grace has been placed on. And this by theologically and even by definition, then you and I are Ananias. Because we all have experienced the grace of God. You remember that moment when you came to meet Jesus and maybe you haven't had that experience tonight, but the majority of you, maybe you've come to meet, you've met God before and his grace has touched your life. He's forgiven you of your sin. He has brought you a mighty long way. Some of you, you have a testimony here today that if it was not for the grace of God, you would not be sitting in this room tonight. Some of you have a story that God has delivered you. He has healed you. He has set you free. He has picked you up, turned you around. And place your feet on solid ground tonight. I know that's been, that's many of your testimony. 
But the, but, the, but, the, but the calling and the responsibility of people who his grace has been on is that he's always pushing us to people like Saul that he's calling, he's asking of. He always connects the two. He, he, he always makes sure that those who he's calling, that he will call a church like Crossroad. He says, hey, the grace of God has been over you. You have a great church. You built a great building. You got great missions and great programs. Hey, but there's a city out there. There's souls out there. They may not look like you, talk like you, act like you, think like you, believe like you, behave like you. But guess what? I never forget there was a, there was a um, recently... Our church is, I would say, the majority conservative thought. And uh, we're in the city of Richmond, a little bit of, about an hour south of D.C. So, I mean, a lot of people just somewhat liberal uh, politics and things like that. And, you know, we have both in our church and we love it. And then a few weeks ago, there's been lots of protests in our city about abortion. And uh, there were some, a group of men that came to my church. We had a men's breakfast. Had about 200 men show up, and we were so excited. And about 30 of these men cornered me in the corner. Says, Pastor, we need you to stand up. We need you to stand on that stage and, and say, hey, we're our church motivation? Yeah, we're, we're pro-life. I need you to be bold. I mean, it's about 30 of them. They cornered me. And we are, theologically, and obviously our heart is pro-life. We believe that. In life and so um, I felt cornered and I prayed about it and the Lord told me don't do that the Lord told me that Sunday in the midst of all the protests that was happening in our city especially in D.C. He said I want you to go up there on that stage and don't condemn abortion but I want you to do is I want you to go on that stage Travis and give God's grace to those who may have maybe aborted their child so I go on that stage and I just simply say, hey, I, I'm not sure who this is for, but there's somebody here and our church is young. You know, it's like a young uh, a church, lots of young families and things like that. So I'm not sure who this is for, but I, I, I just feel like somebody here, you, you've, you've, you've aborted a child and you've been walking around with guilt. And you've been walking around there. I just come to let you know that I don't come and preach a message of condemnation tonight. I come to preach a message of life. And the crazy part was I just said it because God told me to say it, and I was about to move on to the next part of the service and, and just to the altars. Normally we have a security team, and so our security team is like, they're like no joke. They're like top flight security of the world. I mean, they just block everybody. But somehow they got, the people got through, and, there were, and, and the altars were filled with so many ladies at the altar repenting. And, 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 and what they were doing is that they were, they, they were being healed by God. Because, because the message of our, our kingdom is not, hey, we are against you. The message of our kingdom is, hey, we're for you. The message of what we do is we're about healing. We're about life. We're about reconciliation. That's who we are. It's so crazy. I preached the best pro-life sermon in my life just by extending God's grace. And I just want to let you know that that night, that day, we have this, this program called Grace Home, and they, they uh, you know, we, we support them. They're team moms, and there's a team mom who came up here and says, I'm going to hand this to you, and this was her appointment card that they gave her. She had an abortion scheduled for that Wednesday. That, this was a Sunday. She had an abortion scheduled for that Wednesday, and she turned in her appointment card because she saw the grace of Ananias. 
and not the judgment of the media. Amen. You know, whenever I think about stories like this, I'm reminded of, you know that one narrative inside the Gospels? Even Luke talks about this, where there's this narrative where, uh, you know, there's this little boy who has like five loaves of bread, two fish. Y'all know that story? Five loaves of barley bread. The Bible says this, that this guy gave, this little boy gave five loaves of bread to, to Jesus. He blessed it, fell with 5,000 plus people. I mean, amazing story. And I'm sure that people, many people in this room have led Bible study, preached sermons, all type of sermons on that text. I mean, I preach sermons like how God can take a little and bless it and multiply it and lots of people experience God. I preach sermons like if you be like a little boy, get a little that you have, or how God, how be like the disciples at the faith to walk the crowds with these baskets filled with bread and fish. But really, do we hear stories or even sermons on the person who packed that boy's lunch that day? Because whoever packed his lunch is the real hero of the story. Well, the past lunch really taught him who the real Messiah was because in that day, there are many people who are claiming to be a Messiah and whoever, whoever really prepared this boy taught him who the real Messiah was. Taught him what the grace of God looks like and taught him that whenever God comes and asks for your stuff, you give it to him. The real hero of the story is the lunch packer. And I believe that Ananias was a lunch packer. And every time I walk on the stage, I get a chance to travel and preach all over, and it's so amazing. But every time I walk on the stage, I think about that white gentleman who came to my all-black and Latino high school, out of place, out of touch. We mocked him. We laughed at him. But yet he came, and he packed my lunch. And I don't know, like, I didn't, honestly, to be, to be quite frank, I'm not sure. I knew he led me to Christ, and, and, and I'm not sure where he went. Um, he ended up moving to Central Florida. I, I lost contact with him, and I haven't talked to him in over 25 years. But I think about the person, and you look at Ananias. Ananias just fades into the background. You're like, you know, if I was Ananias, I would have done all type of things. Like, I would have started a ministry called I Led Saul to Christ Ministries. Come on, somebody. I would have been selling holy water. Come on, y'all. Anointing oil. Come on, somebody. This is the oil I use to lay hands on Paul. Come on, somebody. If you want to get healed right now, come use this oil. 599 for you. 599. Just come on. Sow a seed. Sow a seed. Sow a seed. If that, if that was me. But it seems like Ananias. It's just face to the background. We never hear from him again. We don't know where he went. Paul doesn't. Talked about him inside of his letters. It's almost like he just, just boosh. It's gone. I don't know about you, but I just decided in my life that, Lord, would you use me? I say yes to be an Ananias in somebody's life. I don't got to get credit for it. I, I can fade in the background. I don't need a stage. I don't need an Instagram like. I don't need a platform. God, I just want to be somebody who pack lunches for people, and I just want my, on my gravestone in heaven, when they look at me and the legacy that I left, I, wanna, I wanted to say that Travis Jones was a, was a lunch packer. He prepared people for somebody, for greatness. He went into cultures that don't look like him. He began to listen to people that didn't talk like him. He began to learn from him. Learn from, our church is so diverse. I love our church because I'm learning stuff every single day. I mean, every Sunday I just learn different stuff, you know, from my white folks. I, I didn't know about HelloFresh. Come on, somebody. 
I didn't know about HelloFresh. So now I use HelloFresh. I love HelloFresh. I didn't grow up eating, you know, uh, grilled chicken with an apricot preserve and a reduction of white wine. I didn't grow up like that. I grew up eating neck bones. Come on, somebody. We ate the whole pig from the rooter to the tutor, y'all. Come on, somebody. Got Nigerians in our church. Teach me about fufu. Got my Puerto Ricans. Teach me about arroz con pollo. Come on, somebody. And I'm learning about all this stuff. And it was so funny. It's so funny. Uh, this past Sunday was Juneteenth, and and, uh, and so there's this, you know, this white couple that that brought me a couple watermelons. Because <laughs> she thinks that all black people like watermelon, but I actually don't like watermelon. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Anyways, I share this story to let you know that there's somebody that's, that's somebody that God's called you to. And I think all he's asking is for a fresh yes tonight. And, and what the Lord really told me to say and share with you tonight is that some of you are living off of yesterday's yes. And he wants you to say a fresh yes to him tonight again. Amen, somebody. Come on, would you stand to your feet tonight? Come on. Come on, can we worship our God? Can we thank our God? Worship team, can we come back on? Can we just sing one more song as a fresh yes to God? And I really believe this, that the Lord just is calling all of us to lead the way. We're, we're, callers. we're, we're called to build the kingdom of God. We're called to, to be the leaders and not the tail. We're, we're, called to, we're called to make a difference in the world and go to people that's not like us. And we're called to be like Ananias who go to people who don't think like us or act like us or talk like us. And I really believe it tonight. That that's what he wants to do. God uses random people like you and I to do extraordinary things in the background in people's lives. And never did I would think. I, I can only imagine this guy. His name was Mr. Matias. That's the, the, the white gentleman who led me to Christ. Never in my imagination would I think that Matias would have thought that I would be in the stage in Lafayette. Louisiana preaching the gospel to hundreds of people. Never, ever. And um, I just prayed that we have that vision, that prophetic vision over people's lives. And so now I don't, I, I, I get it that we need to have convictions. I get it that we need to have stances. I, I get it that we need to fight for the scriptures. I get that and that stuff makes sense. But I think what, what trumps all that stuff is that my calling to build a kingdom of God of people that don't look like me and talk like me. And I, I just pray that we all have that heart, that we simply say, God, yes, no matter what it is. Yes, God. No matter what, who, who is to. Yes, God. And God's calling to say a fresh yes to him tonight. Amen, somebody? Come on, can we clap our hands tonight? Come on, can we thank our God? Come on, can I pray for you? I want to pray for you. Our team's going to lead us in worship. I want to pray for you. Our team's going to lead us in a fresh, and when I say amen, just come on and jump right in. Father, I just pray a blessing over this church, God. I pray that, God, that they may say yes to you a fresh time, God. Lord, we thank you for the unity of this house, God. We thank you, God, that we are called under one purpose, and that is to build a kingdom of God. Lord, we thank you for all people, God. We thank you for Juneteenth, God, that all people can be set free, and all people can live and walk in your glory, God. We thank you, God, for the grace of God that brings all people together in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship.
and we believe. We believe tonight. You know, as they were singing at the bridge of that song, you said it. I believe it. I think what comes to our mind so often in a setting like this where we're, where we're celebrating the power of God and, and what God's able to do is we, we think of the things he said that, that are really, really close and near and dear to our heart. Lord, you said by his stripes we're healed. And we're going, yeah, yeah, you said that. And, and you said that you'll meet all of our need according to your riches and glory. And we're singing that, going, yeah, 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 you said that. And, and I believe it. It is done. But you know what else he also said? He also said, Father, make them one, even as you and I are one. He said that. Can we believe that? Can we believe that? Can, can we believe that? Can we, can we believe that? And can we walk that out? And can we facilitate that so that with one voice we can say it's done at least in Lafayette, Louisiana. We, we're not responsible for the rest of the world, what they're going to do, right, in Baton Rouge and New Orleans, but in Lafayette. This is our, this is our home, and we can say that we're going to be that Ananias. We're going to be that one that says that yes, you know, unqualified yes. I, I don't have to pre-qualify what I'm saying yes to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, are you ready to say yes to Jesus? Put your hands up. All over this room if you're ready to say yes to Jesus. Lord, we're here today. And God, if we're being honest, if we're really being honest, Lord, what we've discussed tonight, the, the spirit of this service tonight is intimidating to us, Lord. It's intimidating to us. Just like Ananias saw Saul as a threat, so often, God, we see people that are different from us as a threat. We don't know what they're going to say. We don't know how they're going to respond. We don't, we don't know if they're going to like us or label us, or if they're going to reject us or what. But God, today we want to give you an unqualified yes. Today we want to say, God, we're ready to step out, do what you say do, Reach out to who you say reach out to, people different than us, so that we can see them prophetically as not only that brother, that sister in the Lord, that future friend, but God, we're going we're gonna to see them for who you want to raise them up to be. Lord, that person that we've been intimidated to talk to, to reach out to, to try to embrace or try to befriend. God, we don't know, but what? that's the next Billy Graham, God. That's the next Travis Jones. That's the next one that you're going to use in such a powerful, mighty way. So give us prophetic eyes to see what they don't even see in themselves. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, so often we don't want to even be honest with ourselves about our own prejudices. But every one of us have them. Every one of us have those prejudices. And God, we ask you, God, break that part of us. Break through all of that, God. And help us truly be that Ananias to our generation, our city, to the people around us every day. In the mighty name of Jesus and God's people said amen and amen. Amen. Hey, um. Be seated for just a second. I, I want to invite you to join 
Don and I in just being a blessing to Travis and to his family. I didn't mention in my introduction, he has two beautiful young daughters, 12, 10 years old. Uh, they are church planners. And, uh, and so I want to be a blessing to him. I want to be a blessing to his ministry. I want to be a blessing to his family. And so we're going to receive an offering tonight, and 100% of what comes in will go as an honorarium to Pastor Travis to bless him, to bless what God's using them to do in the Richmond area. So let me just uh, ask you if you would like to give. We're going to have all of our giving options go up on the screen. uh, And you can either participate right here, right now, or you can go home and get online and participate there. But again, 100% of what we collect tonight, none of this is going to the church. All of this is going towards just being a blessing to the man of God. Aren't you thankful for this word from God? Come on, y'all. Help me thank Pastor Travis, would you? Such a great, great word, such an encouraging word, a motivating word. Your church is named right, man. Motivation Church, let's go. I I feel motivated. I feel motivated to get out and be that Ananias. Amen. I want to invite you to join us in uh, in just being a blessing. And I want to pray over your gift, and then the team is going to lead us in one last song of worship before we wrap up tonight. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for... Pastor Travis and Brittany and their girls, and thank you for bringing them, Lord, to Richmond, Lord, to reach that city with the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. Thank you for the gift that you've given them to travel this nation, crisscross this country, and challenge churches like this one to be everything God has called them to be. Thank you for his vision for church planting and the role that he has and see them in there with the assemblies of God, raising up a whole new generation of church planters. I pray God bless them. I pray, Lord, that, that, Lord, you'll continue to use them mightily like never before. Lord God, they're postured there in the D.C. area where many, many, many people in Richmond, Lord, work in D.C. Lord, they are they're in those positions of decision-making for our nation. Father, they're strategically planted there. And I I thank you, Lord, that you'll cause them to be such great light in the darkness. That, God, they'll have the opportunity, Lord, to to lead people that influence senators and congressmen and, and even heads of state. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, use them powerfully and mightily. Expand the platform you've given them. God, church, cause that church to just grow by leaps and bounds to the glory of God. Father, I thank you for everyone participating in this offering tonight. I ask you to bless each gift, bless each giver. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said amen and amen. Get up on your feet. Come on, one more great big hand for Pastor Travis Jones, everybody. Don't you love and appreciate him tonight. Can we worship God one more time? Come on, lead us, church.
God, that's our prayer tonight, to be one. As you and the Father are one, God, bring us together. Give us that spirit of unity, that bond of peace. God, I thank you. And I praise you, Lord, that you are uniting us, that we can show the world how we can come together. God, I thank you for it. I praise you for it in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Jeff Abels and I just wanted to take a minute to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been dealing with your heart as you've listened to this message and you feel like you just need to get right with God. If you have no real assurance that you are right with God, if you cannot honestly say you've been living for God and you know that needs to change, I wanna invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right now. You know, the Bible tells us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means God loves you and God's ready to save you. He's just waiting on you to call on Him. will not you call on Him right now by praying a very simple prayer with me. I want you to repeat the words of this prayer after me. Let those words come right from your heart. Let's pray. Dear God, I come to you right now In the name of Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from God. And I don't want that. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose again. Through faith in Jesus, I believe my life can change. So I ask you, Jesus, Come into my heart, forgive all my sin, and change my life. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. I don't live for me anymore or this world. God, I want to live for you. Help me to do that. And I thank you right now, even as I pray, according to your promise, My sin is all forgiven. I'm now right with God. I am saved. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer with me, we would really love to know about it. We'd love to give you some next steps to get you started on your brand new journey of faith. What I'd love for you to do is just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. And someone will connect with you to provide you with some resources that I think will help you greatly. Again, just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast today and God richly bless you is our prayer for you.